What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another podcast. I got Elliot, Mr. Graybeard, alongside me today. And we are about to jump into a podcast with Toller Boats. Guys, think duck torpedo, but this guy makes them. I would say professionally. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, yeah, that has to be the right word. He's a professional at this art and, and craft of boat making. Super excited about it. Super excited to hear the stories and, and everything that goes along with um, the making of this style of boat. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing awesome. We have one week and two days until I will be in my vehicle heading for the first teal opener. <laughs> I think that's the first teal opening date in North America, is not? September 1st is the opening September. day for everything. So um, I can hunt dove, I can hunt geese, I can hunt teal. And oh, can you? Okay, so I'm I, three days off. Mine's going to be the fourth. Oh, you're okay. You're on the fourth. You're on a, okay. I thought there's some places open on the first then, right? Yeah. There's a lot of places open up on the first. So I think that's the first day that legally with like the, the flyways treaty act and everything that, uh, that anybody can open is September 1st. So, uh, for anything. So that's why we got an early goose season starting then dove seasons till there's a chance on that first day on September 1st. I took, I took off work. There's a chance I hunt all three. <laughs> really? What's, what's that going to look like? I have no idea. Well, it's just, I mean, I you think, have no idea. You're seven days out and you have no idea. Okay. I do have an idea. I know where I'm, I know where I'm hunting, where I know who I'm hunting with Kevin. Um, the Kevin's probably, I think, uh, both Kevin's are off work so as well. Wednesday morning for teal. In, no, it's for, with the most thing it's going to be for goose, but they, they also shoot okay. teal out at this spot unless they get a field. And then, um, then it'll be uh, just a straight goose hunt. So, um, is there no tealies in the little snake swamp? There's not, man. That's kind of weird, right? Because we talked about it last year. Um, also, Indiana's dates for early teal kind of kind of are garbage because we don't open up till the 11th. <laughs> so I don't oh, know yeah, why. Same here. Same here. Okay, so we don't open up till the 11th. Michigan opens up the first. But so the the place that I think we're gonna hunt, they've shot geese in there and teal in there in early season. So that's why I'm like, there's a combo, there's a chance there. And then we get done with that and I come back, I'm off work. It's the opening day of, t- of dove. So I just go out there in the evening and I shoot my limited doves too. Wow. If nice. only, if only it goes that simple, probably nothing ever goes to plan like that, but yeah. I got a feeling you're going to have a good year this year. I think you're going to kill a bunch of birds at the snake swamp. I think that cause you know, last year was just a rough year for, you just missed a lot of opportunities where you didn't do well. And then, and then like you go with the Kevins, you wouldn't do well. And the next day they'd do great. You had quite a bit of that yeah. last year. So I, th- I think you're in for a really good season this season. I hope you're right. Um, you know, kind of some of the predictions on uh, from, you know, harvest data and or not harvest data, hatch data and stuff like that um, has put a little minor damper on it. But also, I mean, the bird numbers are still great. There's just not just going to be as many dumb birds, you know. So there's not going to be a, as many youngsters, mm-hmm. which is fine. That just means you got to uh, crash your keys, dot your eyes, do everything right, make sure your concealment is extra great. And uh, you know, I think it, uh, it as long as you uh, are doing all the things that are already required of you to be a good duck hunter, I think that uh, you can still have some good hunts. But you're not going to be able to get away as, with as much. Um, but also we're not really in that same flyway as some of the drought areas are. Um, so maybe ours will still be pretty good. Um, I'm hoping for it too. I'm hoping last year was, man, it was the only season ever where I went through the whole season hunting in Michigan and Indiana where I didn't shoot at least one mallard or wood duck limit. That was, I mean, 
It was just some, I don't even know. Well, you shot a mile limit with Josh. You just mean in Indiana. Yeah, that's I'm at in Indiana or Michigan. So like locally okay. here. And then, yeah, we went out yeah. to <laughs> Kansas in my first hunt out there. We shot a limit. So um, with an asterisk yeah. by it because I lost a bird. Unfortunate. But yeah. You know, uh, something else exciting. No, you know what? Actually, I don't want, I want to make sure that I didn't cut you off and talking about your till, your till, uh, weekend escapades. Oh no, it's okay. I've already talked about it in great length. I'm just celebrating the fact that next weekend, next week will be the lead into week. So it's <laughs> like, we are, we're right here, man. I've got one more week in them, uh, that I, that I can really scout like preseason scout. So I've got to pick my spot carefully this weekend. Cause it's my last preseason scout of the year. So, but then yep. next week it's on, it's counting down. Yeah. So when this podcast comes out, it'll be like two days still season. So, um, which is, I have so much to do between now and then, like it doesn't even seem real. Like <laughs> that season's that close. <laughs> I have so much to get done. Um, and yeah, it's going to be crazy. So, um, but, Hitting on another exciting topic, so with uh, with the Patreon, we had the the Patreon hunt giveaway event earlier tonight on the live stream. Um, awesome, yeah, awesome success. Everybody's super excited about it. Um, and Matt, was it Voki? I can't remember. V o c c i. How so would you I'm not pronounce quite it? Sure I pronounce that. Voki, probably Voki, right? Because if it's uh, if it's Vaki. double double letters and it's a yeah well let's not get into <laughs> in my mind i've always said voshi but you're probably right it's probably Vaki. yeah i think that's how you'd pronounce it but who knows yep. i don't know if it's like like italian or something or whatever but um yeah, but... yeah anyways congrats to him he was the winner of the hunt giveaway highly anticipated and he was super excited about him uh, about it and coming out and hunting with us and and yeah it's going to be an exciting one yeah, we're really great. We got to set up the weekend and get him out. And then all of you, if you watch the videos, you will see him. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get him. He said he's going to bring his mentor, his buddy slash mentor. So that will be cool. And hopefully we'll really be able to get on him, get on those birds hard. Yeah, I'm just excited to hunt out of your big boat blind. We'll see. We'll we'll see what it um, plays out. Uh, the lake levels I'm very happy with right now. I have a place in mind. The, the simulated duck hunt spot is perfectly capable of holding um, a, a, a boat blind. So we could be in there. I don't know. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on this week. And, and yeah, we're going to be uh, <laughs> heading into it. And I don't know, man. I just don't even know what to think. It's going to be it's gonna be crazy. So here we go. Uh, I guess not everybody is getting into it. I know Titus, man, it seems like he has to wait so long out there on the, the West Coast to get into mm-hmm. the birds. Um, you know, I don't even know if he, he doesn't really dove hunt or anything like that, and he doesn't have early teal. They do have early goose, so that's just, that's just one thing to get into. Um, but then they kind of start, I feel like, later in October. I don't know how those guys do it. Like some of the guys in Tennessee, it's like their opening day is right around Thanksgiving. I just... Oh my gosh. I don't know what I would do if I had to wait until Thanksgiving by Thanksgiving. I'll have like 15 hunts under my belt. And that's just, if I could retire, I'd have a lot more than that. (laughs) September, October, those September, October. It's like, for me, it's grouped. It's like September, October. That's like teal early season mixed bags, November, December. You're really raining in those, those mallard hunts. And then January it's, 
variable. Who knows? It could be goose. It could be mallards. It could be tons of tons of like super smart, educated birds. Like those are the three <laughs> stages. And and if I mean, those guys not start until late October. To me, that's like, oh, I feel so sorry for those guys. It'd be terrible. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah you you probably feel just as sorry for them as you do with uh, the people down in Louisiana. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I, I, we're gonna we're going to talk a lot about that I, in the future. Yeah, I think and we I need think to. You address guys are going to be surprised about what I say. Yeah, there will be a full podcast on it in the future. So yeah, um, yeah, stay tuned for that. But tonight, because. Oh, did you have something to add, Elliot? Did, did I cut you off? I probably, I, I probably shouldn't. I'm just going to make more people. No, actually, I, I, yeah, actually, I haven't made people mad. I, th- I think that people understand that I was more ribbing them than anything because I have not gotten a lot of blowback. Um, I only got one message on Instagram where the guy was a little mad, and, I, and all I replied was, like, you must have missed the part in the podcast when I talked about how guys tease and joke with each other. <laughs> Yeah, because I was having fun. I, I really didn't make people mad. I wasn't blown up by people being angry or anything. They they've seen a huge reduction in migration in the last twenty years, and I I fully understand that. We're going to go into the weeds with the numbers, and um, what I will be saying will not be that there's no issue in Louisiana for sure, because it's it's pretty drastic. The numbers, some of the numbers that I actually got into a little bit more, are pretty drastic. But we'll get into that a different time. Oh yeah. All righty. So. Like I said, guys, we're gonna have we're gonna get Brad on here from Tiller Boats, and uh, and have a great podcast all about wood boats and you know think think duck torpedo, but he makes his even even cooler, better, bigger, and uh, been doing it for a good little while. So I'm excited to get him on in, in here. But before that, let's get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx, guys. If you haven't checked Onyx out, it is. Probably one of the biggest things that I've used that's changed my my duck hunting experience. You can right there at your fingertips on your phone while you're driving around. You can mark pins. I do that all the time. I got a color coding system for public land, private land, places want to ask for permission, places I got permission on already, um, different species, all that. It's it's just I mean it's so integrated into your phone and hunting. I take it with me everywhere, obviously because it's my phone, and I got an unbelievable amount of pins on my phone. You can click right on property areas and know the owner where they live and get permission or get denied at least you know one way or the other a lot quicker so if you don't use the app and other people in your area are then you're 100 at a disadvantage check them out guys onyx phone android apple or on pc i know jordan already talked about patreon but i wanted to hit on it a little bit more so we did the hunt giveaway and man, it was such a great live stream event. If you want to see what we have going on over at Patreon, it's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. It's a place where Jordan and I put a lot of exclusive content that can only be found over there. And a couple of new members that I want to shout out, Brandon Titus. These are real recent. Nathan Robbins, Gene Kind, Mike Nering. If there's any more I want to hit here. Ryan Wolfert, I appreciate all of you guys being over there on Patreon with us. And so go check that out, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Awesome. And, and kind of just to add on that, guys, there's there's the entry-level tier, is the $3 tier, and you get the two-for-one Patreon and also the Hunt Stats um, application, which 
coming soon, guys. We got an app coming soon. So um, right now it's just on website, but it'll be on an app as well. You can trap track all your hunts and compete with your buddies, seeing the scores for for all your hunts. And we're super super excited about that and all the excitement you guys are showing as well going into season. So um, also like to give a big thanks out to Motion Ducks, guys. If you're hunting and the water is smooth, glass like, no ripples. The birds are going to pick up on that. That's why no wind days are some of the hardest days to finish birds. When you throw out the motion ducks in your set, it's a jerk rig on steroids. Um, it's uh, We both use the ultimate spreader. You can use the original, which is four. I don't know if it's actually original. You can use the smaller, which is four, or the, the wider one, which is the ultimate seven ducks. You leave them on there all the time. It breaks down and puts together in minutes. Throw it out in your set, and there's rep, ripples through your whole set. Jerk rig on steroid, motionducks.com. Check them out, guys, and use the promo code DuckGun10 for 10% off over there, and you won't regret it. There's still time to get geared up last second, or for some of you in <laughs> some areas where it opens up late, you've got quite a bit of time left, but your hunting needs at banded.com over there is banded, GHG, Avery. Great, great products. Been looking at the panel blind lately. And may start running that banded panel blind this year. It's going to be pretty cool. Can't wait to show it to you guys. So go over and check that out and all of your hunting needs right there. Awesome. All righty, guys. We got a new familiar face. This new partner for the podcast, bringing them back. Familiar face for many of you guys um, with HTR Innovations. Um, guys, they're, they're famous for the marsh stand. I know a lot of you guys already have them and are using them. Uh, Martian, you just stick it in the mud. You can put your gun on it, your ammo, a game strap with your birds. It's perfect for those hunts where you're going to be knee deep in the knee deep in the mud, hunting in the cattails. And as hunters, we do that kind of stuff a lot. And this tool just keeps you hands free, your gun right in front of you, all your gear right in front of you, and your birds even. Which you know, it looks cool, it feels cool, and it's super uh, super effective as a style of hunting and, and as a, an approach to holding all your gear while you're doing that style. So um, check them out, guys. Not only that, they got um, the gun stand, they got the quack pack and the layouts that are great for um, layout hunting and also field hunting as well. So um, check them out, guys, over there, htrinnovations.com. Use code DuckGun10, 10% off and free shipping over there. All righty, let's go ahead and get Brad on in here, and we'll talk all about the boats. Hey, guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Freelance Duck Gunning alongside me. And our guest tonight is Brad Taylor. How you doing tonight, Brad? Doing pretty well. Awesome. And so, guys, to, to give you a little bit of summary on, on Brad, um, found him over the social media interwebs. And uh, this guy has some awesome boats he makes. So um, that's that's the the little cliff note version of it. And we'll get a, a lot more into detail on it. But um, you know, go ahead, Brad, and, and kind of let people know who you are and, and what you got going on. 
Um, I'm actually a, well, for 19 years, I was a middle school science teacher. And uh, now I've recently switched over to the shop position at the high school, which is kind of right up my alley. But I started building wooden boats in 2003. Uh, and really the reason I built one is because I had my summers open and I found out I was spending too much money on duck hunting stuff. So I was like, <laughs> I might as well build one for myself. And I didn't have a duck boat at the time. And that's kind of how it started. And the next summer I was like, well, maybe I think I could possibly build one and sell it. And it took off from there. I started with plants out of a out of South Carolina off a little boat called Gator Boat Duck Hunter and built my first one in a rental storage unit, which I'll be glad to tell you about. But uh, that was the first one. And then after that time, I've since designed, I think, four or five other models that I've built. And I'm up to about 40 boats, give or take. And they're awesome. all across the U.S. Um, I think the last count was 15 states this past summer went to Maine and the one we did at school, excuse me, Vermont, and the one we did at school went to either New York or Jer- New Jersey, one of those new states. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. A, it's super cool to, to kind of hear the progression on that and, and how you got started. And um, to kind of kind of give the listeners a little bit of a connection point on um, on this, guys, think think the duck torpedo. So that's what I, that's what I call my um, gator duck hunter boat that, uh, that you mentioned on there. So, um, you know, to summarize my story on it and Brad, we haven't even we haven't talked a lot about it, but uh, um, I actually found one that was for sale. I, I had no idea what these boats were or that people made them or that this was like a, a thing. And um, I started doing some research when I saw one up on Facebook Marketplace. I'm like, man, this is the coolest boat I've ever seen. And uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I just started messaging people that had them and and uh, and, you know, I had multiple people point me to you. And I'm like, all right, well, let's 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 look, look this guy up. And I started looking through your social media, um, your Facebook and Instagram and seeing the pictures and, and the hunts and some little videos of you taking the boat um, across the ice and just busting through it. I'm like, man, this boat is a bad mamma jamma. Like, <laughs> and so um, I went up and, from Michigan and, and got one that was a homemade. It's the, what do you call it again? It's the Duck Hunter by Gator. Yeah, it's that. It was Gator Boats at the time, but man, they, um, I moderated their forums for a while. Um, I used to help a ton of people that were building them and stuff, and then they have gone defunct, I guess. I mean, it's no longer around. You can't find the website. I can't find the owner anymore. No response in emails. Email bounces back. So um, I, I still get a lot of people, hey, where can I get plans? And at some point in time, my plans are shot. And I don't ever even look at them, to be honest with you. We built one at school last year, and I think I picked them up one time to lay out the floor, but everything else out of memory now um and so at some point i was thinking about you know redoing some things there's a lot of things i do different on it anyway and put them back out there and just squirreling back whatever he charged for plans i think it was like 25 bucks for the duck hunter plans and just squirrel it back and if the old man ever comes up uh be glad to, to pay him back for everything but i you know i don't feel comfortable just sending somebody a set of plans off of it and not that mine are in any shape to send um mm-hmm. <laughs> from 2003 but yeah, it was the, uh, they had, I think, five models at the time, and that was the one that was geared towards duck hunting. Uh, they had one of them that was Big Mama that was kind of like a John boat, um, but that was the only one that I ever built off of them with the duck hunter. Yeah, and these, these plans, I mean, it's super cool. Honestly, the boat, if you guys haven't, haven't checked them out, um, you, it's Toller Boat, um, Boat Works. Is that right? That is T O L L E R. It is not Taylor, and a lot of people wonder if my last name's Toller, and I've had checks made out to Toller. <laughs> Um, and it, it is Taylor. Taylor actually comes from, um, so 
so I decoys, as you probably know, if you've done any reading back on it, were often called tollers before they were outlawed. And so whenever they had live birds, and I just wanted something to kind of, you know, since it was wooden boats, it kind of harkened back to that era. And I was like, uh-huh, toller. And that's where it stuck, and we went from there. Awesome. Yeah, and, and so when I was doing my research on this, because I, I went on, like, a deep dive, like, rabbit trail, trying to learn all about uh, wood boats when I first got this, because I was just like, I don't know. I was, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the right skeptical. word is, mes- mesmerized. Skeptical. I wasn't, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I was a little skeptical. I asked a few people like, Hey, like, like uh, how tough are these boats? Like how well can they take the, um, the stuff that duck hunters do, you know? Um, yep. if, if you want to test out how durable gear is, you know, give it to a duck hunter. Cause we're going in marshes, yep. <laughs> um, in the dirt and the mud all season long in the hardest conditions. And that's when you find out like how tough something is. So, um, that's no different with boats, and I'll tell you what I'll, I'll be taking mine through the ringer. I'm known to to not necessarily be as <laughs> as gentle as some people. Um, but that being said, uh, I was just mesmerized. I started doing deep dives, and I really do feel like that style of boat is kind of the coolest one I've ever seen. Um, you know, off that that style. You know, you said your original styles off to that off that Gator Duck Hunter. So yeah, and. Like I, um, I was kind of the same way. I found those plans. I was actually still, um, I graduated from North Carolina State in Fisheries and Wildlife and really didn't know what I was going to do with it. I was working in aquaculture at the time and had met my wife and when she was moving to the area that I was originally from. So I thought, you know, I'm going to move there. And, um, uh, I got into teaching and, and I actually didn't even hunt that short season that first year because it was just such a hectic time. And at the time, all I had was a kayak that I'd used while I was in college, didn't have money for a boat. And, uh, and I still didn't, you know, being a beginning teacher, heck, I was I was making more money barking and working for the college um, than I was when I started teaching. I was like, what the heck did I just get myself into? And and so I sat on those plans for a year. I had some woodworking experience from being around my stepdad, my dad, and um, but it was one of those things I didn't really have a place to do it. And I was like, I don't know, but man, they just looked so cool. And I was drawn to it. And I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to shoot for it and build one. And so that first one, you know, I look back on it, it's crude in comparison, but I loved it. And I mean, I put it through the paces for sure um, and did not, not not worry about a lot of stuff. I'm kind of like you. I figured I could fix it if something went wrong. So. Awesome. Elliot here. I want to jump in. I got a question for you. How, how many of the boats do you have in your possession right now? <laughs> um, well, too many as far as my wife's concerned, but I really don't have a lot anymore. Um, for a while, I had a Hellcat that I built within design, and when I was hunting down at the coast more, um, I live in central North Carolina, and so we're kind of a duck desert here, to be honest. Uh, it's mostly wood ducks. You get local mallards, and then every now and then we get a good push of birds, but we've got a million and five hunters on pressured land, and they're gone almost as soon as they get here. Um, so we'll go down towards the coast, which can be a little bit better. And we get into sea ducks and stuff. And so when I was going down there a bit, when I was down on a, a hunt camp, we still hunted public water, but we had a house down there. We could go, I had it. And then I had my small boat. And funny thing was, um, the no fly zone that I built. And that's what I run now. Kind of a HD version of that. I had still had my original duck hunter was running a mud motor on it and had built probably at this point in time, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 boats. And I built this uh, no-fly zone, the very first one, for intentions of keeping it for myself. And then my son was born about, I don't know, uh, almost two months early. And so that kind of put a damper on everything I was doing. Like, you know, it's like in general, he was born in November, uh, mid-November. So, you know, that kind of throws the kink in the whole duck season thing. And uh, 
I was like, well, I can't. My initial intention was to build that no fly zone for myself and uh, run it for a while and then sell it. And so then I was like, I can't do this. So we ended up, I uh, sold it to a guy that was up in Wisconsin and he met us on the way out. So when we got, we, we take a, we used to take an annual trip out of North Dakota and we met him out there with it. And this was October. We met him and about, I don't know, probably mid January or something like that. And he was one of these guys that was working for the pipelines, making money hand over fist, young guy. And he called me in January and said, Hey, I've had a lot of stuff come up. He said, do you want to buy the boat back? I was like, man, I'm, you know, I'm not in the boat buying back business, but what do you want for it? And I'll, I'll look around and I knew what he had in it. And he was like, you know, and it was way less than what he had in it. And, uh, so I said, you know, I said, I'll put it out there and, and nobody picked up on it. And well, a couple months later, another kid calls me and he said, Hey, I bought the boat off this guy. He said, are you interested in buying it back? And again, my response was, well, I'm not really in the buying back <laughs> business, but I said, what are you asking for? So he's come down even more. And I'm like, man, I can't. I said, but I'll keep my eyes open for you. In November of that same year, uh, a guy called me from out in Arkansas, and he had bought the boat along with uh, another boat that had a mud motor on it. was kind of thinking about swapping out motors and stuff. And he was just asking me some questions, real nice guy. And he said, look, he said, I, don't, I can't keep two boats. He said, would you be interested in buying it back? I said, well, what do you want for it? And we're down to the point now. I was like, all right, fine. I'll take it. I said, but it's my problem <laughs> getting it from Arkansas. And he said, well, I actually live in North Carolina or eastern North Carolina. He said, I'll be traveling back through. I can meet you. So uh, I went and got it. And um started running that one a little bit and I was still my intention was to buy it back flip it and at the time I still had the no fly or had the Hellcat and then I had my original duck hunter and now I had this no flies on and my wife was not happy about all of these being at the house <laughs> and so I was like all right well I'm selling the, the Hellcat so I sold it and I thought well I'm just gonna keep this no flies on a bigger boat a little bit more room and I ran it for I guess I bought it back in 2012 I think and I ran it until 2017. So I ran it for five years. And then I got to where my son, he's now 14 or be 14 this November. And I was like, you know, I wanted something just a little bit bigger, a little bit safer. And I had got into some stuff where the guy had not taken care of it. And there was some rod on the rail. And I was in there digging into it. And I was like, man, I don't enjoy doing repair. I'll do it. But I said, I don't enjoy doing nasty repair versus building something new. And so, man, I jumped on a new one and built it in about a month for us. And, and we... We run the crap out of it, but I get to store it indoors now. I do have one of the garage space. It's just a boat. And so that is the only one that I have like that. I did restore a 1870s uh, skull boat from Brooks Boat. Uh, Brooks. Let's see, what was it? Brooks. Boat Company. I think it's just Brooks Boat Company out of New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I found out the history on it and stuff, and which is really cool because I didn't know it at first and restored it. And I have it, but it's stored at my dad's. And I'll use it some, but I am not an expert seller by any means. There's an art to that. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy story. Kind of swapping hands and back into your uh, your possession, hunting that for a while. Uh, I definitely feel like it has to mean more. You know, hunting out of a boat that you built compared to any other boat. You know, you got all the, the sweat, blood, and tears that go into into making it. And, and definitely cool to, to be able Absolutely. to do that. I, um, Jordan, the, the three of us have a visual picture of what the boat looks like, but, but for the listeners that have never actually seen it, can can you describe kind of the visually, because these boats are visually stunning. So can you, for the people that haven't seen it, kind of describe what the boat looks like and what benefits that design has? Because it's very unique. I apologize. I'm sitting outside, so I get some traffic noise here and there. Uh, Jordan, you can, or I will, it doesn't matter to me. Oh yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, Brad, that's fine. 
to me, the duck hunter itself, it's, it's a really a two-man boat at best. Um, I, I used to love it as a one-man and a dog. Um, it was plenty of room for that and all your gear. We've actually crammed three into it to hunt out of it. We actually took <laughs> a couple other boats to get there, but we wanted that low profile. And that's the beauty of the duck hunter is it's a very low profile. The cockpit narrows back in. You've got grass rails down the side that just give it kind of some cool lines and able to blend completely in. And we used to put little flapper doors on it, sit on the floor of it. I mean, you could literally sit out in the middle of everything and be gone. Um, and it was extremely stable. Um, you know, it's a 14-foot, seven-boat. Um, it's got rocker in both the front and the rear. So it's kind of a cross between a displacement and a planing hole. Um, but it was extremely stable. So like you could be chest deep water throw a knee up on the grass rail and crawl right in no issues both of you stand up and shoot no issues so it's not like riding around in a 14 foot john boat and i had been out in some stuff in my duck hunter when i you know that's those times that if your mom knew that no matter your age she would have kicked your tail um <laughs> and and never felt unsafe in it i mean we got wet a few times you know spray coming back because it is a flat bottom mm-hmm. um but it's extremely stable boats and uh they're just a blast man they're they're cool looking little boats um uh, same thing. I was I was drawn to it when I first saw the plans. I was like, man, that would just be awesome to build. I will say, yeah, with the the stabilization, I, I was blown away the first time I took one out. Um, being like a smaller boat, like four foot seven seven inches. Uh, yeah, and it. I mean, it is. It's got to be like one of the most stable boats I've ever been in, and it's just the build and the style. It's just. I mean, it's insane how stable it is. Um, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you can walk around front deck, back deck. Um, you know, we'd use it for fishing and piddling some in the summertime um, and just enjoy the heck out of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been enjoying it um, as well. Let's let's kind of hit on something. You talked about, like, the different ways and techniques you hunt out of it. So um, low, pro- low profile, you got the grass rails. I want to hear more about your flapper doors because I'm in the process of making, like, a, a little makeshift blind on mine. I've seen uh, a couple different people's uh, ideas of uh, of – you know, uh, homemade blind doors, which are probably going to be like awful compared to whatever sweet design you got. But so let's, let's no, I do not. I have, I have, I'm a master of walking through Lowe's and going, dang, I think I could use this for that. <laughs> and so when I, when I first got it, you know, the way that the sides come back up at about a 35 degree. And so what it was, was I was like, you know, I wanted to kind of rest against that cockpit and close over enough that, you know, you could close your overhead cover up some and not just have a gaping hole right there so i ended up with on the duck hunter i used um the 12 inch vinyl shelving from lowe's and i used a uh, metal um wire clip rubber insulated wire clip for a quarter inch wire and basically bolted those to the side so that thing folded up and down and you could zip tie and that's what we do we go there's a local um early successional species called Teresa around here it's a woody stemmed weed and we would go cut bundles of it and bundle it up at the beginning of the season and then run a little bit of uh, raffia down at the bottom and down around the grass rails and stuff, shove it into those grass rails and leave it there all season like that. And I've got some pictures of my original and it literally, I mean, it just looks like a, a mat of stuff out there floating on the water. Um, and those would fold up. And so when something comes in, you just push it down. Um, and that's where I got to where, you know, when I loved hunting by myself, I would sit with my back against the bulkhead and sit long ways in the boat mm-hmm. and the dog would be up front. And I could just push one down. I said, when you sit two people, somebody gets the middle and gets a little bit more leg room. And somebody's the one side of that. And that's why you kind of cramped up there sitting on Indian style for a while. And I so mean, do you, you sit-, sit higher in one, but we sat on the floor uh, okay. so that we could keep that complete low profile. 
Gotcha. I did put a turkey stool in there for a while so that I could, you know, at least get my back up off of, off the edge in an awkward position. Gotcha. Yep, that's awesome. Definitely, uh, definitely pretty cool. I'm. I can't tell you. I'm beyond excited to uh, to get out there and hunt with it this year, and and I think that it's just going to be a duck killing machine. So. Um, but yeah, love it for sight it, for you. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> I just couldn't pass it up when I saw it, man. I'm just, uh, thought he was crazy. I, I think you're crazy. I, I think that it's cool to have. I feel like it's something, I don't know how long these boats have been around. So maybe that's a good direction to kind of go in. But when I saw it, you know, um, I was just like, I feel like it's, uh, it's an older style, it's a wood bow. It's almost like a piece of history when it comes to duck hunting. And I love stuff like that, feeling like I don't even know how to describe it. Ellie, you're going to help me. I, I'm with you. And that's really, honestly, the only reason I still build a boat. Um, to me, it's like um, I told you I have another woodworking side business that's way more profitable. And I've gotten now where I actually turn orders down. I turned down four, I think, the other year. And I ended up doing one. And it's kind of I pick and choose. It's kind of long, based along the lines of people I'm talking to what moment they catch me in and what model they're looking at. Um, and it, it's been one of those cases that I still love doing it. I said it'd be more profitable to probably shut the doors on it, but I, I don't want to. I enjoy building one. And I said, it's kind of like that, uh, that Brooks skull boat that I have. I mean, I think, you know, somebody's hands made that boat in 1870 and it's still sitting around right now. I said, you know, if our world doesn't go to pot, I said, somebody takes care of one of these. It'd be cool to think that long after I'm dead and gone, somebody's researching and trying to figure out, Hey, who was told her boat works? What do they do? Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a cool idea to me. And like you said, hunting out of one that you built is, is beyond satisfaction. Oh yeah. So do you know, like, what is the history behind the, the duck hunter model? Like how, do you know, like how far because, it goes back? Yeah, it, it wasn't that long. Uh, and all I see is, um, I think they started about 2001. It wasn't long after I, found the plans um i think there'd only been about two made and i actually contacted one of the, the guys that made one of the first ones that had pictures on the website and i can just still remember seeing his name chad white and the guy that owned the gator boats was henry corley um down out of low country south carolina and the plans were written you know i was it was funny because i was in, you know I was looking at duck boat plans looking at wooden duck boat plans and at the time in 2003 i was kind of intimidated by a lot of stuff i saw you know didn't know terminology didn't know you know a lot of these things and these plans were written like in a little layman terms uh pretty much for the most part there were a few things i had to learn and figure out and there were a lot of things i learned to do better trust me over the years but uh on that first one i was like i, you know, I can do this and i really i sat on them for a year uh, from so i bought mine i think the plans in like 2002 i think and so i sat on until summer 2003 um but it, it wasn't around so long and so i think they I want to say probably about, it's been five or six years ago since their website went offline and not been able to contact them. They used to have a forum, um, their own Gator Boats forum, and I moderated it and answered lots of questions for people building and watched a lot of builds and helped with a lot of builds. And I know there's quite a few of them out there that are still around, some in better shape than others, and some that have just, you know, deteriorated away. Have you seen a, a picture of, of the one I have? It's possible. Um, I'd I, I, I just couldn't remember if I texted it to her or not, but um, yeah, I don't know. I have to see it. And I could, I could probably, um, I could. I remember a few people out from Michigan that, that built them. Do you know when yours was titled? Um, the first time, or I think it was like 2019 or something like that. 
Oh, okay. So if that was the first title, somebody probably built it after that time. I remember a couple of the early on ones, um, and I remember their username, so I don't actually remember their name, name. Uh-huh. Uh, some of them that did some modifications. There are a lot of people that they try to do different little modifications here and there to it. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a picture of mine. I think it's, I, I mean, all of them look, look pretty cool, but um, the guy did a, a great job on it with paint job and everything too. So it uh, gives it a little bit of flair and flash with a... <laughs> With how cool yeah. they are, I will say that uh, it also seems like from my research that it's like a it's almost like an East Coast thing where they're I don't know if that's like by chance or if the, there's something that goes back in history that makes people want to hunt them more over there or what. But um, I think it's just kind of that low country backwater swampy area, um, stable boat but still small enough to get around in, and cypress knees and everything else down in the low country of South Carolina. Um, and I think that was kind of the idea behind it. He, you know, like I said, his other boats followed those same lines. They were kind of the, yeah, like a little P-Rose style boat. I think it was called like a dragonfly or something like that. And then, uh, I can't even remember the names of the other ones. There was a croc. I remember that. There was a croc and something else. But, uh, I think he had about five sets of plans. And at the time, man, you could, when I first built it, the plans were 20 bucks or you could order all five sets for, I think it was 80 or something and get you a discount. Um, and I never did that because I didn't have any interest in the other ones. I just wanted to duck boat. Awesome. I'd- I'm curious to hear about how it, how it was used on the coast. I'm always I've never done anything like being on the coast. I know that he mentioned. Um, I never. So my duck coast. hunter, I would have felt fairly comfortable in taking down to the shelter part. We hunt the sound, so on the back side of the outer bank. Um, but it can get really nasty. It's shallow, and it'll kick up real quick. Um, and so I never took my duck hunter down there. I had friends that we get down, and that's what my whole point in building that other boat that was larger that I felt more comfortable and safe in. There were been some sheltered areas that I could have, but it was one of those cases where I was like, ah, I'm good on taking a 14-7 boat. I mean, that's about minimum down there is around 16. There'll be people that go out and less, but most of the time it's going to be um, either some kind of gift or a larger boat in general, or at least a large john before you go down there. Um, so I did not... <laughs> So there's probably some people that hunt duck hunters down there, but I'm not going to be out of down there. Awesome. So kind of kind of hit on a, a personal question for me. So um, I did message you a little bit about this as well before the podcast, but different motor types on there. Um, I know you're saying uh, like a lot of people run outboards, like where I hunt, that's just not, a, that's just not an option for me. Um, and you're saying that I think you run, you run a surface drive on yours, right? I did. I ran a surface drive. Well, when I started with the outboard, um, I started with 25 horsepower outboard, old Johnson, mid 80s Johnson. And I would run, and it's kind of funny you mentioned, I would run um, mid 20s was about my speed, top speed, no load. And, uh, and I still kept a decent speed when I had somebody else in there. Well, that was about the time, I think 2004 or so, is when Mud Buddy came out with their surface drive. And the original one was called the hyperdrive, and it was a balanced motor. And so basically it would bump up if you hit something, but you could easily push down on the handle too to make the prop out of the water. And that was back in the day before, you know, there was no reverse, um, you know, anything like that. I don't even remember if there was a neutral. I think you just backed off the throttle and it stopped spinning as much. Um, but this thing weighed 200 pounds for a 21 horsepower motor. It was 196. And so I went with the 21. And then, you know, I was really hoping to see kind of similar speeds. And when I first got it on there, man, I didn't. I was like upper teens at most. I think it was around 15, but it didn't matter the load. That's what was crazy. Like you'd put another guy in it and I'd still run 15. You'd put all your gear in it and another guy would still run 15. So I was like, it's got to be something design-wise. 
And so I went back in and thought, you know, and it was on my first one. I was like, I can take it off. It doesn't work. And I made some wedges down at the rear uh, to basically give a little more planing surface because what happens on the duck hunter is, I was telling you guys, it's got the rocker front and rear, so it tapers in both front and rear. And yep. so you've got a relatively narrow planing surface in the back. And so it always took, even with the 25, a little more pump to get it up on plane. And so a lot of myself included uh, customers were running, when they were running outboards, they were running one of the whale tails on there to stabilize and fin to give it enough uh, to get up there on plane. And so anyway, I came in and I thought, well, let me try some wedges. And so I created a little, basically about a four inch long wedge that went from three quarters inch down to nothing and tapered down back there and we did it all the way across the rear of the transom. And I went from running 14 in that boat, took it out, put them on, glassed everything in and hopped out here on the lake. Uh, and man, I we went to like 21, 23 just by myself. I was, and I was like, this is awesome. So then I started doing that on all the boats with, uh, that run outboards as well, because then that way you don't have that big whale tail sitting back there catching grass and everything else. Hmm. That's interesting. So I don't know if you've, if you've seen very many people run this, but I actually, I put a long tail on it on mine. <laughs> I had, uh, there was one guy back. It was one of the first knockoff long tails. I can't even remember. It was a crazy looking prop on it. It had like an auger looking prop on it. And they were fairly cheap. I can't, gosh, I can't remember the like name. Like a, a mud skipper or a mud runner or. Yeah, um, it was before those even. This was, God, this was, you know, it was, I guess kind of when, I, I mean, I can remember when I bought that mud buddy, so hyperdrive, I was the only mud motor around here in which we're again, we're central North Carolina. So, I mean, and for quite a while it was, I mean, everybody knew where I was hunting because it was loud as piss. And, um, <laughs> I mean, you had, you know, it was just the only one around. And, um, but there were other companies that were trying to make some stuff. This was a long tail. It was pretty much just galvanized. It had a big, uh, it wasn't even a regular handle up front. It had almost like, it looked like almost like a lawnmower style handle that went all the way across the front right there. And you could turn it, turn it awkwardly. But it, the prop on it was an auger. It wasn't really a, it wasn't a prop. It wasn't a prop. It was like a big auger like you were digging a hole with almost. Um, and I remember the guy ran one of those. But it always made me a little concerned with that, with the narrowness of the cockpit. If you didn't have like a grab bar or something running a long tail, because you're going to be standing up. Um, and so that's why I started, you know, I'll offer the, the grab bar and stuff in the boats, even if they're running outboard. That way you can stand up and when you're trying to look and see up over stuff or over the guy's head in front of you, or whatever, um, you've got that there. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting with that long tail in mind for sure. But, uh, <laughs> Um, I actually sit down. I got I got a chair in mine, so I sit on like a it's a really low chair um, in there and run the long tail. I got a, a little thirteen horse, and it does seem like uh, I got a lot of weight in the back. I'll put it that way. So um, <laughs> with that motor yeah. on there um, and the long tail, when I tail. did that, I, I moved the gas tank to right underneath the front deck. I relocated it because originally when to build the plants, the gas tank goes in the rear. And, you know, if you had a battery, which I did, it went up front because I had electric start motor, so I put it all the way up front to distribute some weight. But then once I put that 200-pound motor on there, I was like, man, I've got to do something. So I moved the gas tank right underneath the front deck right there inside the cockpit on a little flat platform. And um, and then it, so it was just me and the motor back there. And I did kind of the same thing. At the time, I had a um, one of those, I think it's, I don't even remember the company, but it's, uh, it's basically a dove stool with this bucket that's got a rotating top it's a square bucket mm-hmm. burden buck that's the name of them and uh so i had one of those that had a back on it that fold up and i would sit there on the side of the cockpit like you were saying even to run that mud motor um but that kept me from having to sit back on that rear deck with the handle sticking up a little further um you got any you got any plans coming up this season for your hunting and 
and everything you got going on? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, we usually take a trip somewhere. Uh, last year, we, we went up um, New England area and did the freelance for the all the different kinds of eiders and stuff, wild eiders, and then we got our white wings and got some old squall, which we don't get a lot of white wings or old squall down here, or eiders. Uh, we get a lot of common and, uh, common and um, surf scooters. Um, but not the other one. So we did that. We went out to Oklahoma for a little bit, took the kids out uh, so they could kind of see what that was. But nothing definite yet. Just wanted to kind of play it by ear and probably go somewhere about the week after Christmas. There you go. Awesome. Another cool project you kind of got going on, and you mentioned it a little bit. But um, tell us about uh, what you do with uh, the kids in your school and, and the boat building. Um, so last year was my first year in the shop and, um, and I was kind of telling the kids, you know, it's kind of strange to go from teaching science over, you know, middle school science over to the high school shop. And so I actually know a lot of those kids, half of them or so, because it's a, our middle school was a feeder school at this high school. And so I got on there the first couple of days and I was telling them what I'll do and why I came over to the position and, and so, you know, telling them about the building the boats. And one of the kids said, can we build a boat? And I was like, well. And so I kind of went to the person that was over me and I said, listen, I said, you know, this covers pretty much all of our woodworking standards. I said, is it possible to vote? And she said, yeah. But the problem was I had already, uh, I'd, I'd already asked CTE, which is the career and technical education um, department that funds everything that I do for a whole bunch of stuff in my shop because it was in major disrepair. And so we did a GoFundMe, man, for the, for the materials and uh, we raised $3,700. And so every bit of it went back into profit, but we, we kind of were fortunate in a lot of ways. We had the eight day BDJ thing going on. That was the only good thing that came out of it. So I had less kids and we were off on Wednesday, six separate teachers. Teachers had basically a work day where you could work from home or work from school. And, um, I had kids that wanted to work on it. And so we would come in on Wednesdays and we'd put in a full day working on the boat. And so we started, I think probably late October and finished it up. We, we were pushing it, but we finished it up right there to the end of school. Uh, we were, think we were still doing stuff on the, next to the last day we were still over there working away putting some paint on and stuff and attaching the grass or i mean attaching the flapper boards and whatnot uh, but we got it done man it was fun we're gonna build another one this year i'm actually the model that i build the atc which is air traffic control i have an order for it for next year but it was kind of one of these things where uh this year i did the same thing i had the order for the no fly zone and it was a larger one it was a foot wider than mine and it took up almost all the room in my shop, and I didn't get it out there until about July. And so I was like, I'm behind the eight ball with my other side business. And so I'm working every night, getting stuff done and, and dragging. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it next year. So we're actually going to build the order I have. I'm just going to donate proceeds to our, our program, and uh, we're going to build it there in the shop this year. And so I kind of hope to do something off some plans because that one really truly is almost all in my head except for a, you know, a couple mm-hmm. notebook pages of notes where to place things and what heights they are and stuff like that. Um, but they'll still get a lot of experience out of it. Awesome. Um, that, that's definitely pretty cool. I'm, I'm just kind of wondering where the woods teachers were when I was in school. Cause I would have loved it <laughs> to build a duck hunting. I know I, I got a lot of that. And I got a lot of people that, that donated. They were like, man, that's not fair. It's like, you know, and they said, you offer classes for adults. And I was like, I oh, mean, we're not going there. <laughs> awesome. So, um, one, one question we kind of, uh, touched on this at the beginning, like how durable these boats are and, and, uh, you know, how gentle you have to be on them. I, I can tell you, I've already, uh, you know, um, uh, jumped a beaver dam with mine. I mean, I did, <laughs> I don't know if that makes you cringe or not, but, uh, well, and you know, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I know a lot of people worry about that. They really do. You know, it's one of their concerns. And it was mine when I built original wood boat. I was thinking, man, how, you know, what am I going to be able to do? And I'd always be nervous about stuff when I'd hit it up, be coming out looking to, to check and see. And um, I had any issues. Like, the biggest issue for wooden boat is not even water. It's uh, basically sunlight. And so if you can keep them covered where you're not out there baking in the sun, because what happens is that wood will swell and expand. And when it does, it'll crack glass and some moisture will get in there. And then if you're in a really cold area, in North Carolina, it's not that bad. We hardly ever get any good cold weather. But, I mean, you end up with a freeze thaw cycle going on. And then if you don't catch it, you know, within not a short time, but, you know, after your season's over, if you just wait for the next year and run it again, you're just going to run into issues down the road. Um, and so that's the best thing to keep one stored. But as far as I've gotten a little more creative in, in what I do to, to beef them up because I like the no-fly zone built to run a motor. Um, they don't have to. They can run outboard on it. The last guy does. But I, I really, I do not shy away from anything. And so my lower sides are actually a true one-inch thick on the sides. The bottom's got Kevlar and two layers of fiberglass, and then the whole bottom's coated with uh, a graphite thickened epoxy and cavastil mixture. Mm. And then the kill strips are out of UHMW, which is basically an indestructible plastic. And, man, we go over everything. And last about, actually, 2018 here, we did have some cold for a while, and it was in the lower, in the, I don't know, single digits and then lower teens right there. And for a couple days, daytime, nighttime. And it froze our whole lake over. We live here on a, a reservoir in the middle of North Carolina. And, um, man, we put in, and uh, a buddy and I were scouting around the lake with the stream. And we're like, hey, I wonder if we could get up to this one spot. I mean, it's all ice. Everyone we were thinking maybe because of the way it's set that it wouldn't be ice. And we pulled up on all of it. And, I mean, it barely broke through anything. It was about two and a half, three inches thick. And, I mean, I was like, we could get turned around. I mean, you know, this was the issue. I was like, oh, crap. And so, man, we just turned in. And, I mean, it was just sitting there turning ice and crunching. And then we hunted the next morning and uh, all the way across the lake. And we started out of the ramp thinking, you know, once we get out of this cove, the ice is going to go away. We got back to the ramp and there was absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever. I mean, it didn't even scrape the paint off. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of always kid. I said, I know somebody that can fix them if you do something wrong. Um, <laughs> so we, we go at it. I mean, I've got a winch built into the front of mine. Um, there's a lot of places we hunt that are back down little creeks and stuff that have blow downs over the top. And we'll go right on over them. And I mean, there's been some stuff we've jumped that I really wish we had it on video as far as trees that are, you know, a foot and a half, two foot in diameter that are sticking out of the water a foot and just get the nose up on it and hammer down and go up and over and back down where everything's out of the water. Um, and I've yet to, to tear anything up, man. It's been crazy. And the bottom still looks pretty much new. That's awesome. That's a, you know, definitely a testament to the work you put into to the boats you build. Uh, mine, unfortunately, I don't think it has all the same uh, precautions as it. It just has the, I think the guy said he put three layers of fiberglass on the bottom um, with the epoxy and all that. So uh, I probably won't try anything as crazy as what you're saying, but, <laughs> you know, hopefully mine still does does the trick. Um, so here, here's the next question for you. So do you, um, do you think that somebody with, like, minor woodworking capabilities or maybe none like myself would be able to like follow plans the, f- the first time around to build something like this or how difficult is it nope. for somebody to get into it? It's <laughs> not, um, you know, and I answer a lot of questions and a lot of people and I don't mind answering questions. I do it all the time. Um, it's, it, I was really, like I said, I sat there for on them for a year and kind of looked over things and I was like, I know how to do that and how to do that. But, I mean, you could technically, if you really wanted to, you could build this entire boat uh, We're using a table saw, a jigsaw, and having a sander, an orbital sander. Now, it, there's a lot of things that will make your life easier, trust me. 
but I mean, you could get by without a table saw. Um, everything. I, my first one, I really did. I got by without a table saw. I did it. Even my the chine cuts, which were cut on angle, I set a third floor saw and, and <laughs> put a guide on it and, and ran straight down a board. Um, and funny thing on that first one, I, you know, even a space didn't necessarily constrain. I uh, we had all we had was a carport and lived in the downtown Salisbury area and. Um, I was like, you know, I, I can't build this here. People steal tools. I don't really even have any room. I have to bring stuff inside. So I thought, well, what about one of those rental storage units? So I called around and I found one that was not too far from the house there. And I said, hey, listen, I said, what's the biggest you got? And they said, it was 10 by 20. I was like, all right, well, that's big enough to build. You know, and I said, I thought saying, you know, build a boat was going to really turn them off. So I was like, would it be possible to assemble a boat in there? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's not a problem. She said, but there's no power. She said, other than the light. And she said, but you can screw one of those adapters in. I said, all right, cool enough. So I said, well, how much is it? You know, again, taking account, I was a new teacher and not making much money. And she said, well, it's $90 a month. But she said, it's $20 for the first month. I said, well, what if I'm only there for a month? She said, still only $20. I was like, all right. So that was my goal was to build a boat in 30 days. And, um, and I would get up. I didn't have a kid at the time. And I would get up and cruise over there first thing in the morning, roll the door up, work off the back of my truck, work in there on, on the boat stuff out put it back in at the end of the day go home and get up the next day and do the same thing again and i built it in 30 days oh, uh, and again look, looking back on it man i'm like that yeah, was rough in comparison but i couldn't have been more proud of anything that's so a- i highly recommend it but it's addictive once you get started building boats <laughs> man that's the only reason i'm still doing it awesome yeah well i definitely have an addiction problem when it comes to duck hunting and duck hunting related things so <laughs> oh yeah i know the feeling <laughs> i don't know if probably, I that's what my wife always says my wife always says she's like ducks and boats. She said it's either one or the other. She said I get ducks all hunting season long, and then it turns into boats as soon as summer starts. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll say it here first to the podcast listeners. There's there's a chance, and when I say there's a chance, Elliot, what do you think the chances are of me actually pursuing something like this? I think you'll do it. You, you're, you're crazy. You won't stop, and you just <laughs> overload your life with all of your. <laughs> projects and i imagine you'll probably get it done jordan <laughs> i wouldn't bet against I'll, you in a i'll probably years. have like three or four of these built next summer <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to do man you can reach out any questions you got i'll be glad to help you awesome yeah um you got any you got any questions on these boats no i don't think i've just been listening intently let's like i said i'd never seen any boat like this until jordan saw it and uh I, he didn't need a boat yeah, I mean, Jordan has had so many projects this summer and he's like, yeah, I just got a boat. Well, he just got done getting a new motor for his old boat. And I just told him, I was like, you're crazy, man. He's like, oh, I thought he was going to regret it. And two months later, he's like, it's the best thing I've ever bought. <laughs> he is so <laughs> in love with it. And if you guys are listening to this, have not seen this boat, you can, you need to check out Jordan's YouTube channel. Cause it is really a slick, cool. It's just unusual unusual boat yeah yeah and i still think that the cool the cool part about it, it was a slick a slick design cool cool boat and all that and still um and then brad's taken it and, and really uh gone the extra mile and he's got a, a bunch of different designs over there tooler boats um really if you want to see these boats i mean you can see the one i got over there in my stuff but he's got so much more over on his website and social media on these boats and it just feels like hunting out of a wood boat and uh it just it just has a different feel to it. I haven't hunted out of it yet, but I just <laughs> I can tell already that's the way I mean, it's going to be. I can definitely tell you I like the when you drop stuff, you don't get the clanging bang 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 uh, on aluminum. It's also not nearly as cold when you're sitting down there on the floor. You got a little bit of insulation there. So um, what, what was the? You had a quote. I think it was on your website. What was the quote about wood boats? 
Oh, would boats have a soul, man? I can guarantee you, would boats have a soul? Would boats have a soul? Um, <laughs> I said when I when That's I restored awesome. that that 1870s boat and I was out here and I mean I would literally you know I just you ache to talk to the man that built this or the guys that built this and I was like because they did this in 1870 I'm sitting here and I had to take the top deck off it was completely rotten and um and I salvaged as much as I could the hole was good but then I had to shore up the keel was made out of a solid piece of white oak and I mean it's huge keel if you haven't seen this boat check it out on my website it's underneath the restoration part but uh and you can see what it went from to what I did I mean I turned around it looked immaculate and so some people gave me a hard time um you know in the fact we should have just left it as is and i was like the guy that built this boat would not want it sitting on somebody's man cave or sitting in some cabela just being stared at he'd want it to be used and that's kind of the same way i thought about it but i said you know i'm looking at it and there were so many compound miter cuts and i'm like you know i've got saws and everything possible that you can think of tool wise and i still have to sit here and turn and scratch my head and this dude's over there with you know by hand cutting all this stuff out um and it just thoroughly amazes me i said you know you you know there's there's a lot of heart that goes into one. Oh yeah definitely for sure all righty well i think this is probably a good good place to wrap it up i really appreciate you coming on and imparting a, a lot of the knowledge uh that you know about the boats and um you know we, i think i briefly mentioned to, this to you as well but it sounds like you got your plate pretty well if someone from a listener from the podcast reaches out to you trying to get a boat made what's your answer going to be um, 2022 is full. Um, so the first one would be 2023, maybe. Um, and that's, and that's kind of a, and it's always a maybe. It's just kind of, again, you got to catch me at the right time. The last two I've built, uh, were, I had one guy that was out of, uh, and I won't take too long your time there, but I had one guy that was out of Arizona. He hit me up in about September, just a super nice guy. I worked for, he was a retired independent contractor for the military and still worked at some top secret base in Arizona. And uh, anyway, cool guy. And I said, look, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I had built one a couple of years. I had taken a three-year hiatus and focused on other stuff. And uh, said, you know, uh, if you hit me up after the first of the year, give me a deposit then so I can start on early. I said, we'll do it. Ended up doing the boat. And he was a super nice guy, turning 70, had ran the same boat since he was, I don't know when. He had a little five-four-star motor on it, a little B-hole boat. And uh, ended up, tragically, he uh, passed away due to chemotherapy, uh, some complications with it right before it was finished. Um, and so I ended up having to sell it. I said, that was a bummer. I said, you know, you live your whole life wanting to do something like that, and then it's gone. Mm. Um, but he, he was just a cool guy. And kind of the same thing that I ended up with his no flies on. I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't mind building one bigger like this. It's kind of a cool idea. I always like a little bit of a challenge. Honestly, I kind of shy away from the duck hunter fields because I've built so many. It's kind of, you know, it's. Yeah, I like I like doing something a little bit new. Oh yeah, um, and and doing something a little bit different. So that was kind of the case. Awesome. All righty. Well, once again, Brad, really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your time and uh, and um, you know, you said uh, <laughs> you'd be willing to ask some questions. If I build one next year, I'll definitely be taking you up on that. And um, yeah, guys, make sure to check them over there at Toller Boats. Check out all the the cool boat builds he's got over there, and you won't be disappointed. All righty. I'm Jordan from Duckin' Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duckin' and Brad from Toller Boats, Toller Boatworks, and we'll see you guys on the next one.